there is nothing quite so exciting as seeing people flourish under your leadership. There are few things in life as sweet as sensing you've had an influence in somebody's life for good. Welcome to the Impact of Leadership podcast brought to you by CCB Technology. I'm your host, Steve Shear, and this is the podcast where we believe that no one drifts into excellence. So join me as I work to figure this leadership thing out on purpose. This week's conversation is with Mike Bullmore, senior pastor of Crossway Community Church in Bristol, Wisconsin. I have a personal connection to this guy. He is the pastor of the church that I go to, but the reason he's on the podcast is beyond that. He has impacted thousands of lives by the way that he leads and the way that he lives. You're going to take away a ton of stuff from this conversation. So here it is, my conversation with Mike Bullmore, senior pastor, Crossway Community Church. Get a pen and paper out. You're going to need it. All right. So, Mike, thank you for doing this. I, this is so much fun for me. I like interviewing people anyways, but uh, I have referenced you several times on the podcast, probably without your knowledge. Uh, you've had a huge influence on me personally, on my wife, Beth, on our family, um, and the, the phrase, which I think I've mentioned to you before, but the phrase at the open, uh, of each podcast, mm-hmm. I stole from you, which I give you credit for, <laughs> but, uh, the, yeah, uh no one, welcome to that, man. Yeah, no one drifts into excellence, yeah. uh, taken from one of the sermons yeah. that you gave uh, a while back. So it's great to have you here. Thanks for mm. making time for this. Yeah. It's, it's a sweet privilege for me too, Steve. I've been looking forward to this. I think it's going to be fun just to be able to hang out together for a little time. Yeah. So, so, great. Mm-hmm. so uh, as we get into it, please give a little background on who you are and, and yeah. what you do for a living. Yeah, yeah. No, glad to do that. Um, I, I guess the place to start with who I am, I am a lover of God mm-hmm. and a follower of Jesus. That's the most important thing in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, the sweet thing about that is that God in his kindness allows just a rich um, variety of other things, you know, that you get to be. Sure. So I'm a, I'm a husband married to Beverly for 31 years. We just celebrated our 31st last week. And we together have three children, three grown children. I think one of the coolest things in the world is being a dad. Mm-hmm. There is nothing. I mean, I love uh, being married, obviously, but there's something magical about being a dad. And we have three kids now. Abby is, what is she, 27, Maddie's 26, Graham's 25, so we had them right in a row, Mm -hmm. and a busy life, but uh, one of the sweetest things, when I die, I think one of the greatest joys in my life will have been uh, being a dad to those three kids. So uh, husband, father, I'm a son, obviously, my parents both passed away recently, what a privilege to be their son, Um, and I'm a pastor, Um, it's what I do vocationally, Um, I'm one of those guys that loves what he does. And uh, I get to do something that almost every week I think I get paid for this. Uh, Yeah, it's how I make a living, but I love my job and just feel a sweet sense of privilege and honor in being able to be a pastor of the people here at Crossway. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, Well, like I said, our family has benefited as many uh, other families have. Um, So I want to jump right into the deep end of the pool. What is leadership? Like, what does that look like? Um, yeah. All right. Question as big as all outdoors, right? Yeah. <laughs> so um, I have for quite a while tried to define leadership just very simply. Leadership is influence. 
Um, I know it's there's a lot that could be said, but in an, in a word, leadership is influence. What does it look like? It looks like um, being among people and seeking to influence them in a positive direction, in a good direction for their good and enabling them to do good to others. In other words, you want your influence to multiply out. So it's not just a kind of ends with this one relationship. I think leadership is investment uh, for a long haul. Um, so yeah, I like I like the simplicity of this idea. Leadership is influence. Now, depending on the sphere that you're in, you know, if you're leading a football team, the influence is let's let's get victories. I'm leading a church, and so I'm leading my family. I'm leading a group of guys on a team here. Um, and so each one of those spheres or contexts determine what that influence is and the direction of that influence. But for me, a bottom line is you've got to be among people, and you're seeking their good through the exercise of your influence in a particular direction. That's good. So if influence is leadership— and you spoke about it having a ripple effect and not ending with that singular instance. Right, right. Can you speak a little bit about then the importance of influencing folks after you're not around? The minute you invest in somebody, you've now deposited something in them that you trust is going to have an effect on other people. So, I mean, I can just take a very concrete example. I think about, I mean, this is in the example of my own family, Steve. Mm -hmm. um, my dad, you know, I, there was no way we we're going to talk about leadership for a half an hour without me talking about my dad. Yeah. He wasn't a highly educated man, you know, wasn't this terribly kind of striking person. But I tell you, uh, you talk about the effect of a life. My dad invested in me, and I'm taking some of that same stuff I learned from him yeah. and passing it on to my, my son such that my son can see his grandfather's influence in his own life, independent of me, but also primarily through me uh, in, his, in his life. So, you know, my dad's gone and his, his influence continues on. Now, that's just a very concrete sure. example. You can, you can talk about that same thing happening in whatever. So, like I said before, leadership multiplies. Good leadership multiplies. That's good. That's yeah. good. So that I've never thought about it, I don't, I don't think at least, in terms of an investment but then having a return on that investment mm -hmm. and part of that return being that it doesn't stop. Right. That's that right. that investment keeps going. That's, that's right. That's helpful. Yeah. That's really helpful. Yeah. So with your definition in mind, how do you determine if you're leading successfully or not? You don't, one of the, one of the ironies of leadership is you don't want to be always looking back over your shoulder, seeing, you know, are they, are they following? Although you kind of got to check in once sure, in a while. Sure. Yeah. Cause there's a balance. And answer. see, so, I think one of the tests of whether your leadership is effective is, is there a group of people for which you bear some responsibility? Is there a group of people that are increasingly filling out the vision that you've set forth? And not just kind of filling out the vision in some objective way. Is there a growing subjective awareness on their part of this is what we're doing? I think people speak maybe more in the corporate world about ownership. Sure. Is the, are the people that you're leading owning your vision that's what I'm talking about. Is is there a growing awareness on their part of what we're doing? And I would add, Steve, not just an awareness. It's not just a cognitive thing. It's a heart thing. Is there joy? Mm. Uh, are they enjoying 
living out the vision that you've yeah. kind of set forth for them. So one of the tests that I would have is just looking at people and seeing, are they flourishing? Are they, uh, are they getting it? Is there an awareness of yes, yes, we see it, and we like it. Mm. We're glad we're doing this um, such that there's now, that's part of the multiplication thing. They're now carrying some of the load with you of leadership. It's, it's having that contagious multiplying effect. That to me is one of the biggest tests of are you effective in your leadership. So then um, maybe conversely, when you look <laughs> over your shoulder a little yeah, bit yeah. or uh, there's a, some grumbling yep. taking place or yeah, uh, yeah this isn't mm. actually what the vision of the, what we had in mind. Right. What does course correcting look like? Then? Okay. Um, yeah, you're getting to a key piece here. It's, it's one of the – we can't expect our leadership to be a flawless. Sure. So yep. – Humility is a pretty important category here. Mm -hmm. And B, you can't expect it to be without resistance. You want there to be intelligent participation, and so that automatically brings with it, hey, people are going to have different ideas, and people might not like your ideas, or there might be relational strain. Even though the idea is good, they don't like you or whatever. So um, this whole idea of course correction is really important to leadership. I think one of the most valuable lessons I've ever learned about leadership, it actually comes uh, from Lincoln, who's one of my heroes. Lincoln, uh, during the war, during the Civil War, he, the, his generals drove him crazy because they wouldn't act except in the face of absolute assurance of success. Mm. Well, guess what? Therefore, they never acted yeah. because there is no such thing as absolute assurance of success. So um, Lincoln, you know, he's back in Washington. Why aren't my generals acting? Why aren't they moving? And uh, he, he implored them over and over again. And they wanted, well, I just want to make sure we've got to hire. Well, he got rid of them and brought in Ulysses S. Grant, who was willing to act without absolute assurance of success. And that's what turned the tide of the war. So one of the lessons there that I've learned is – You've got to be able to act with about, I use the, the number 70% mm -hmm. confidence. Mm -hmm. And people think, oh, well, I want, I want 90, I want 95. No, it's rare you're going to get much above 80. And so you've got to be able to act even with about 70 to 80% confidence. Um, but that's enough to enable responsible leadership as long as you know there's this possibility of course correction. Mm. Now, you don't want too many casualties sure, along the way. Yeah, yeah. You want to be able to think and act on your feet. But I love this idea of course correction. Um, let's act. Let's not sit here and wait until we have absolute confidence because then we're never going to act or we're mm -hmm. going to be too slow. Let's act. Let's go. And then let's adjust as we're going. Let's, um, let's adjust on the fly. Mm -hmm. So especially if you're working with a team that, that gets that, that can be a wonderfully exhilarating way to lead. Let's move. Let's not be irresponsible, sure. but let's get that 70% or so. Now let's move knowing that we're going to have to make course adjustments as we go. That's helpful. Which I find, I mean, I find that so liberating mm. and sobering at the same time. Sure, yeah. We know we don't have 100%, so let's keep our eyes open and let's adjust as we, as we go. Within this leadership context, whether it is a historical figure or not, but how do you, how do you I'm interested to know, how do you prioritize things right. when so many people are depending on you, whether it's yeah. you personally or your vision or your leadership yeah. or your encouragement? How, how do you prioritize those yeah. things? And if there's a process you go through, anything like that? Yeah, I, I, I lean on some real traditional tools. There's nothing profound about them. Um, the whole 
roles, defining your roles, mm-hmm. and letting those determine your responsibilities. So I lean on that heavily. I'm a Christian. Mm-hmm. I'm a husband. I'm a dad. I'm a pastor. So allowing those roles. And I love job descriptions. Mm-hmm. So my job description as a pastor helps me to know what I'm supposed to be spending my time on. So a very carefully constructed job description really helps you to prioritize. Oh, and another tool I use is my calendar. I, mm-hmm. I am a believer that your priorities need to be reflected in your calendar. Mm-hmm. And they need to be put in there. So you know, use, leverage your calendar. So I'll just use one very concrete recent example. Uh, one of my priorities is my wife. Yeah. I don't want it to go without saying. It's like, that's way up there. Yeah, sure. Well, every year, it's not the only thing we do to nurture our relationship, but every year we get away at our anniversary. Well, that goes in my calendar at the beginning of the year, even though it's in September, because that's got to be protected. It's a priority. I've got to put it in my calendar. Well, translate that over to your other responsibilities. Sure. So calendar really is important to me. If you've got those objective things in place, roles, job descriptions, calendars, those kinds of things working for you. Now um, you can allow your gut, if I can say that, to help you make Mm -hmm. kind of decisions uh, along the way, smaller scale decisions. And you got to have other people around you um, to regularly help you vet your, your schedule. So I've got a small group of men and my wife who help me make decisions about a larger kind of responsibilities, mm-hmm. opportunities. I run those all by those those two groups of people. Do you have a set like time frame that you meet with them about those things or is it just as they come up? As or how does they that work? come. Okay. Uh, so anytime, for example, I get invitations to do stuff. Mm-hmm. Anytime those things come, I run them by. I've got a group of three guys that mm-hmm. are a subset of our, our leadership team and then my wife. So our policy is that all of those things get run by Bev first and then by this group of guys. And if it meets certain criteria, then I can say yes to it. A lot of them just are no because I, you know, that doesn't fit within my roles, doesn't fit within areas of strength or gifting, yeah. doesn't seem to be a good stewardship. Yeah. So much of this, Steve, boils down to stewardship. You've got mm-hmm. a limited amount of time. Yeah. And, right. and you, you're going to be held accountable for how you used your time. So it's a stewardship issue. So That's good. Yeah. But if you didn't have those definitions at the onset, then... You'd probably say yes to anything, and then you you're missing anniversary trips and whatever right. else. Yeah, you get sucked in by things that none of us wants to admit, but like things like our ego mm. or things like uh, what other people, you know, how I might impress other people. And those are really bad controls, mm. really unreliable controls. Yeah. So you need um, carefully considered external controls and then carefully selected relational controls. Oh, man. Uh, so I'm loving this as <laughs> I'm smiling over here. Uh, talk a little bit about failure and its role in developing a leader. Is there a way to fail well? I hope so. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's inevitable, right? Yes. I remember one of the uh, just not too long ago, we brought a, a new guy on. I said, hey, go make some mistakes. Because um, if if you're not ever making mistakes, clearly you're not you're not risking anything. Um, none of us is infallible. So, you know, if we're doing things that matter, if we're if we're kind of pushing, well, we're going to make some mistakes. Now, obviously, we don't want to just go out and make mistakes. We want to keep them to a minimum. But the fact of the matter is there's going to be failure. In any leadership equation, you got to factor failure in. I like to see that as another opportunity for leadership. 
Mm-hmm. Now you get to lead in a different kind of way. So we just mentioned earlier humility yeah. before. I tell you, Steve, I'm so encouraged to hear the importance of humility in the leadership discussion. It's so true. Um, I think it's the most important leadership characteristic. And it comes to play in this very issue of when you've made a mistake, when you've got to be able to say, I failed or we failed or this didn't go the way we wanted to. Let's own that. Let's look at it. There are few things that will build trust in the people who follow you more than your exercise of humility before them. They trust you now. Every challenge is an opportunity. And you're not looking at the light at life, you know, just through rose-colored glasses. You've got to deal with reality. But the fact is failure presents a great opportunity to lead. I appreciate you sharing that. So then uh, with, with young, younger folks um, that are potentially looking at being in leadership, mm-hmm. um, they're viewing this thing of leadership, uh, but uh, hoping that you, maybe you can give some practical advice or encouragement to those young folks that view leadership roles like a burden. Oh, yeah. That aren't necessarily interested because maybe it's going to put restrictions on my freedom or I don't know if I want to deal with that. I kind of want to clock in, clock out. Maybe the maybe their framework of leadership is off. What what advice or or encouragement? Why would someone want to get into leadership? Every one of us. God has given every one of us gifts, talents, influence. So Mm -hmm. all of us, Mm -hmm. everybody leads, you know, in in some way. But in terms of formal leadership, it's not for everybody. A person has to have desire. Mm. There's got to be a talk about it however you want, a fire in the belly, whatever. There's got to be desire. If that isn't there, um, I'm not going to look to a person for leadership. You know, there's got to be a, a want to. So I think the first thing I'd say, Steve, is leadership isn't for everybody. But if there is leadership in a person and, and, and you spend time with people and you can see it, um, there's leadership there. But there's some reluctance on their part. You know, your mm-hmm. point of, mm-hmm. uh, ooh, I'm not sure I want to do that. Two things come to my mind. One is where we started. Leadership is influence. Mm. Let them watch you. Let your own leadership draw them in. Mm. That's how I got drawn in. I watched other people lead. And I thought, I want my life to be like that. I want, I want to influence. I want to, I hope not just for my own glory, I wanted influence for other people's good. I saw the goodness of other people's leadership on other people's lives. Yeah. And I thought, that's a well-lived life. Mm. It's not the only kind of well-lived life. But I, I knew, you know, in my late teens, I had leadership in me. Mm. I knew that. Um, and so now, how are you, how you going to carry that? And I saw other people carry that for the good of others. And I wanted to do that. There, there is nothing quite so exciting as seeing People flourish under your leadership. Mm. To be able to point to, I look at my son now and I think, and that young man's, he's grown up. He's, he's, he's spreading his wings and yeah. he's flying. And, and I just think, Lord, what a privilege to have had something to do with that. There are, there are few things in life as sweet as sensing you've had an influence in somebody's life for mm. good. And if you can give a young person just a taste of that or a picture of that, that helps them, I think it can help them get over the burden of, well, this is going to be costly. Of course it's going to be costly. Anything mm-hmm. worthwhile is going to be costly. But look at, mm-hmm. the, at the fruit. So then uh, in your teens, yeah. was there a moment that happened or a person that uh, pointed it out to you? 
I think this is where it would be dangerous to, you know, to set one's own life up as some sort of model. I don't. Mm. I think it looks different in everybody's okay. cases. That's good. I think almost invariably there's someone else involved. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody who uh, is able to either confirm or say something. I've got this list of about 20 things that people have said to me over the years. I just keep it that have been hugely meaningful. Things my dad has said. Things that have kind of come out of just apparently random conversations, things coaches have said, things students have said. I treasure them because I see them as God using other people mm-hmm. to speak encouragement, real encouragement, not flattery, but putting courage in my heart with reference to the kinds of responsibilities that I have. So there's always going to be somebody else involved. But let me just tell you the short story. In my, let's see, it would have been between my junior and senior year of high school, my best buddy and I went up to a conservation youth camp, northern Wisconsin. We worked for six weeks. We worked hard. It was a lot of just, uh, you know, physical labor. And at the end of the, at the end of that six weeks, um, we had a an Olympics. You know, here's 120 guys. And we chose teams, and they chose captains randomly. And uh, and then the captains, four guys, got to choose their teams. And I was the first guy chosen. And it and it like, what? Hmm. And then the next day, they honored the honor camper. All the counselors and the staff uh, chose an honor camper, and it was me. And that took me completely by surprise because I looked around at all those other guys and I saw guys that were stronger than me or, you know, uh, funnier than me or whatever, you know. But somehow um, those six weeks with guys that I'd never known before, over six weeks, they observed my life and I got chosen. And it was nice. It was a nice honor. But what I realized is, oh, I've got leadership in me. Um, Guys are looking to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I have an influence on people. And so that is the moment that I realized I have a responsibility to steward. Now, that's not the only thing, but that was the moment of insight. Um, I, I want to know, yeah. what's the greatest lesson you've learned about leadership? Who mm-hmm. or how did you learn it? Mm-hmm. And why was it so right. impactful to you? The most important lesson I've learned is impossible to put into words. Um, it, it's this combination of humility, faithfulness, uh, selflessness, generosity that I saw in my dad. My dad is a great man. He is the epitome of faithfulness. Married one woman for 60-some years. When, when he died, he was at exactly one church his entire life. Wow. He worked one job. He got out of the war. You know, he was part of that great generation, World War II. He came home from the war, was offered a job, worked that one job for his entire life. Now, I'm not suggesting that that's the only criterion for faithfulness. I'm just saying my dad was a faithful man. And out of that faithfulness and out of his humility and out of his generosity, out of his selflessness, he, he showed me uh, what it means to care for others and to live a life for others, not for myself. Not, not that I don't have any selfishness in me, but the point is he showed me so probably the greatest lesson that I've learned is, you know, leadership is influence, and your greatest influence is your life. Uh, it's not your brilliant things you say or, you know, decisions you make. It's your life. That's a great way to end this. Mm. Um, thank you. Yeah. I mean that. I, I'm grateful for the life that you're living, um, how you parent your kids, how uh, you are as a husband, mm. how you are as a pastor, mm. and um the relational congruence, I guess, 
that I've seen in you mm. over these past 10, 11 years that I've been a part of mm. Crossway. So thank you for the specifics, the stories, and um, I guess most importantly, the the life that you're leading that backs that stuff wow. up. So, wow. Thank you, Steve. Yeah. It's been a sweet joy yeah. hanging out. Thanks, so yeah, yeah. Thank you. All right, so let's jump into it. Takeaway, action item. Takeaway, leadership is about investing in people, but expecting that a return might come after you. So I, I know that a light bulb went on for me, and I that probably was evident by the way that I responded, but I've never thought in terms, or at least it didn't click with me, that you're investing in people, there will be a return, much like financial investment, but that could take years, and it should go beyond you, just like Mike talked about with his dad, himself, and his son. So that's the takeaway. So the action item, are you, am I, in a mentor-mentee relationship currently, or should we be? Get into one. Talk to people. How does this mentorship thing work? And look around. Maybe you have an opportunity with somebody right next to you or somebody that's even in your family. All right, I love doing this stuff, but it's not just some side gig. We actually believe that these principles matter. So put this stuff into practice. And if you're enjoying the content here, please share it with somebody. If you wanna share it on social media, do it that way. If you wanna do it uh, voice to voice, I like the one-on-one interaction and the, the impact of that, no pun intended. And also, leaving reviews. So if you go to Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, whatever platform you use and leave a review for us, that helps. So thank you for taking time to listen. We appreciate you. You're the reason that we're doing this thing. From all of us here at CCB Technology, thanks for listening. 